Good evening, everyone, and thank you for listening tonight to Medjinomics. We have begun a brand new year, and what we have to share with you from a friend of Medjugorje, we believe, are some of the most important words that you can hear before you enter into this new year. This piece is from a private gathering with a friend of Medjugorje in January of 2019. A lot of what he talks about, in hindsight, sounds prophetic. But when you're connected to the messages and you've given your life to Our Lady, your life becomes prophetic. And so here is a friend of Medjugorje, January 2019. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Medjinomics with a friend of Medjugorje. shows you everything she wants you to do, then it becomes too big of a mountain to climb and you won't do it. Obedience is so important 
And generals demand that because they can't explain when the battlefield, or say Robert Lee, when he was doing what he was doing in Gettysburg, they were losing on one end, but he was desperate on the other side. And when he shifts troops around, the people in the field can only see what's around them, what their needs are. But he sees the whole battlefield, and the, the need is worse over here, even though they get defeated. But the, the right flank is more important to be protected because that's where they have the most of the weapons. And where they're winning, if they pull it off, they say, what is Robert Lee doing? This is crazy. I'm just giving you a scenario. That's not exactly what happened in Gettysburg. But there was times that uh, McClellan, he always waited he wanted to get more ornaments. He wanted to get this. He put it off and he put it off and put it off. You'll never have enough if you have that kind of attitude to attack a problem or, or a difficulty if you wait to get more. It comes to a point where you just got to attack. You got to go into the ambush. You got to do it. Casualties happen. But some of the greatest wars and battles have happened by just going into it. A lot of people don't realize the Gideon Army never fought. They never engaged. It was 15,000 troops with Gideon against how many of his others? I think it's 30,000. Yeah, a bunch. So God tells them to go to the creek. Those who lap it up and they're looking the whole time, the others who suck up the water is not watching the enemy. They're just looking at water. Get rid of all of them. 15,000 to 300. And what did God do? Because of the obedience and because these people, the 300 had a spirit of fight, willing to die, willing to go up against 30,000 troops or whatever it is, it's way up there, 300 against that. God fights a battle. You're either going to be fighting the battle constantly and you're going to be losing constantly because you're trying to fight it and you're not relying on God. So Gideon trusted God. His troops of 300 trusted, and they were told to go and get ready for battle. And what did they do? They just blow trumpets. And the spirit of confusion came on the enemies. Thinking they were being attacked, when who they were attacking was each other. They turned on each other, killing each other. The whole army killed each other, thinking they were fighting Gideon's people. They didn't do anything. They were just blowing the trumpets. And this is how our lady wants us to fight. Trust God. Trust our lady. Trust her words. And just do what she says to do. She said on September 2nd, 2016, I will teach you. We had never had that. St. Francis didn't have that. Padre Pio didn't have it. Many of the great saints, John of the Cross, they didn't have these things. The apostles did. They had a full faucet of grace flowing to them. We have a full faucet of grace going to us for us to grow, to learn how to trust, to teach. Because we are being taught by the teacher in Greenwood, other people can be taught by Our Lady because of the efficacy, but it's going to be in the dry wood. Scripture talks about that. When the Chernobyl atomic nuclear plant went down, it was biblical. If the atomic waste starts melting down, it means that it's in the container that it holds. It, it just starts sinking because it eats up and melts everything. And so once it broke loose... All the atomic material started, everything melted, everything fell apart. And the scripture talks about wormwood. And the verse in Revelation speaks directly to Chernobyl. It was a pre-Antichrist thing. It was a big, big deal. Most people don't know about Chernobyl, what happened, but it was like big, big, big. And a lot of Russians died from it. And it was through faulty 
working efforts of what they did. They didn't listen to their alarms when they went off, and they just didn't pay attention. Our Lady has given us alarms. It's a disaster headed our way, but it won't be a disaster for those who are ready for it. We will be braced for it. We will be conditioned for it. We will be trained for it. We've gone through her boot camp because of her words that says, I will teach you. Are you learning from what you're going through now? If you don't, you cannot relate to other people who say, how do you cope? How do you deal with it? Well, this is how you deal with it. Oh, that's easy for you. You got all the beef you want. Y'all eating good. Look at your houses. You're all nice and cozy. No, we went through this. Excuse me. We lived through this. The visionaries lived through it. The early villagers lived through it. We're not going to have a rosy path. We're not supposed to. We can't. Otherwise, we only have a Ph.D., And most of those people are idiots because they have no real-life experience of those who wrote the book of how to do what they do. It's only learned in the head. But when you live it and you learn it in the head, and then our lady says, I'm going to give you cognition. I've taught you. I've showed you this. I teach you. You're going to learn really in real life what it means to be unstable. And with the expectation that you be happy. Mary didn't do like this to God. I didn't expect this when that angel came. You put me in this stable. And Joseph says, she's nagging me to death. What am I going to do? She said, be happy in the stable because we were. The attitude they had was justified on a human level that what is God doing? Not being mad at God, but at least question him. I don't understand what you're doing here. This don't sound right. Something's not right here. Excuse me, God, I'm not talking back to you, and I'm not rejecting this, but this ain't the script I was looking at. They were happy in the stable because God gave that to them. Why are you not happy? Because what God gives you, everything you have, God gives it to you. Those who are holy are those who immeasurably love the Heavenly Father, those who love Him above all. Therefore... My children, always strive to be better. If you strive to be good, you can be holy, even though you may not think so of yourself. That's why it's best to say, I am a sinner. You start at the bottom. Peter's with Jesus Christ. He's on the boat. And he's judging Jesus. What are you just doing? You're in a dream. He's sleeping. And they're about to drown. My Lord, look, are you going to let us sink? He stands up, says, stop everything. And the fear of God came over them. So much so, what did Peter say? Depart from me. That's what people say to the devil. Peter said, depart from me. Get away from me, Jesus. Depart from me, for I am a sinner. That's where we have to be. That's ground zero. We always understand that. Whatever circumstances come to me, I'm a sinner. I deserve it, even if it's unjust. There's plenty of other reasons for an injustice to happen to you. Our Lady gives these things to you. She wants you to have these things. Why? Because she had them, and she didn't deserve them, and she wasn't a sinner. So if you strive to be good, that's the key. Strive to be better. Strive to be good. You can be holy. This is an amazing message when I saw that, that I would never even as a sinner consider you can be holy if you want to be striving for God. 
You can be holy even though you may not think so of yourself. You're not to think so that you're holy. The key with God is seeking, striving, always seeking for forgiveness. My dad gave that gift. You've heard what I said. The first thing he came home, he said, what you sinners been doing every day. He called us sinners. I don't know where he got it from, but I'm glad he got it because we never thought much of ourselves. We didn't have low self-esteem. We weren't depressed. We were just at the bottom, and we did something good. We did something good because, man, we're sinners, and look how good we did something. But we didn't think ourselves as good, and that's what our lady says. If you strive to be good, you can be holy, even though you may not think so of yourselves. If you think that you're good, you are not humble, and arrogance distances you from holiness. In this peaceless world full of threats, your hands, apostles of my love, should be extended in prayer and mercy. So we're always supposed to have mercy on everybody. Mary Magdalene, whatever who it is. This message was really an astounding thing, how Our Lady says that, because this is the position we always need to be in, always. That way, we're opening our hearts up that we need God, we need Our Lady, and she can teach us. So think of your situations, everything that befalls you, how much difficulty, how hard everything is for you, and know that this is a grace given to you as a gift. Our Lady explains it. My life was pain, silence, and immeasurable faith and trust in the Heavenly Father. And then she says of the pain, the suffering, the joy, the love, all mixed together. Faith and trust in the Heavenly Father, nothing, what does nothing mean? There's nothing else there. There's nothing on the other side of the nothing side. There's nothing there. Nothing is by chance. Neither pain, nor joy, nor suffering, nor love. Are you going to complain about these? You're going to harbor these things in your heart? Release it. Give it away. I deserve it. She's wrong, but I deserve it. It doesn't matter what she did to me. I deserved it. Nothing is by chance. Every little thing, every little piece of you being tore apart is not by chance. Why? Because the lady said herself, I suffered in my life. And I want you to follow my example in pain, and I was silenced, but I kept my faith, and I kept my trust. Nothing is by chance, neither pain, nor joy, nor suffering, nor love. All of these are graces. What is graces? Pain, joy, suffering, and love. All of this. Not some of this. All of this. Our Lady suffered tears, sorrows, every drop of Jesus' blood wounded her. She was torn to pieces, and we're complaining in our heart, even if we're trying to be a good witness of what befalls us, or this isn't right, I'm sick of this. Our Lady never had that. She was silent. She kept her faith and trust. I'm here to follow Our Lady, no matter what befalls me, no matter how many hyenas try to tear me to pieces, 
I want to give everything to Our Lady. Why? Because Our Lady gave every little piece of herself. Everything. She immolated herself on Via Della Risa because she saw the pain and felt it in her heart of Jesus immolating himself for the suppers and the dinners and masses by the billions that would follow for the next two millennials and continues. So hyenas will attack you. And sometimes that's the most peace I feel because when they come on top of you and argue and have hate in their heart, incited hate, and you did nothing, there's a peace that comes over you. And that peace makes you encouraged to be accepting of that because you deserve it. Not because it's just, but because we have to suffer injustices for our cognition and for our mission so that we can teach others the same thing. So Our Lady says, of nothing by chance, neither pain nor joy or suffering, all of these are graces which my Son grants to you. Jesus gave this to you. It's not the person. Nothing's by chance. God allows Satan to do things. And it's from Jesus. He grants you and which leads you to eternal life. It's your disposition. It's how you deal with it, how you handle it. Are you peaceful? Are you still going to be loved? Are you going to be forgiving? Are you going to harbor That person should have done this to me. Are you going to brood over it? I get rid of that. I want it out of my heart. I don't want to hold it. And that's why I am where I am. Is it easy? Our lady said it's not easy to live the gospel. She just told us this. It is not easy. But it becomes easy through fasting, skipping meals, not eating, not always trying to comfort yourself, pushing yourself. Go to the end when there's nothing left of you. Every little piece of you, you need to be emoting yourself. Our lady's there. She's watching it. She's catching us on every fall. And she herself can't help herself from falling for sinners. She is here for sinners, and even the worst, most degraded sinners, she's willing to fall and come down that level to pick you up. We don't even know. We can't even comprehend what kind of trouble we run into and who is there with us. Is she disappearing when trouble comes? No, she's appearing when trouble comes. She's walking with us. And she says, my example, I didn't back down. I had hyenas mocking me when my son's dying when they should have at least respected a woman, a mother. All of these are graces which my son grants to you, which lead you to eternal life. As a mother, I will teach you to love and to pray in him means to pray in the silence of your soul, not only reciting with your lips. She just told us on the second month. Works and feelings. You don't pray and you're not entering in prayer if you don't feel it. I feel and I see Our Lady leading us. And she's leading us on a path that is difficult, full of sorrows and pain, all kind of sufferings, but also joy and love and the consolation that we ran our race and we did what we were supposed to do. Reciting with your lips, it is even the least beautiful gesture done in the name of my son. It is patience, mercy, the acceptance of pain, 
acceptance of pain, acceptance of pain, and sacrifice done for the sake of another, not for Jesus, not for Mary, for another's conversion. You have to suffer for these people. The Oxford girl, I'll never see her again, but I'm still praying for her conversion, that Our Lady will have her, whoever it may be, or the grandfather preacher of the night. I'm praying for his conversion. Our Lady marked this person. My children, my son is looking at you. We've never had this situation, this experience, as we do now. What does that mean? Our Lady said in a message years ago that never has heaven been so close to you in its nearness. We're in a unique time, unparalleled, unrepeatable, unreplaceable. There'll be never a people that can sit where you are and achieve and walk your walk. And you have been listening to a friend of Medjugorje from January 2019. Very important words for us to hear tonight. When we look back to when we first began Medj.com, one of the first things that we started to do was present homilies from priests in Medjugorje. There was a period of time when there was a lot of inspiration that seemed to be coming from some of the priests and some of their homilies. And a friend of Medjugorje made these available to people on Medj.com. He made a lot of priests famous. And while it was nice content to present for a time, we started to see through the years that there began to be a mediocrity in a lot of the words that were being said. A friend of Medjugorje was growing more and more in his understanding of Our Lady's plan in her urgent plea to change our life today, right now, not only spiritually, but to physically change the way we live and to change the way we think about our world and how we act upon the things that are happening in our world. This separated a friend of Medjugorje more and more from a lot of the voices that were even in the Medjugorje world. And we're not speaking so much as a difference of opinion. We're speaking in a completely different discernment of the messages. And that is what you, the listener, why you come to these broadcasts every week, because you hear something different and you feel something different. We encourage you through this next year, pray for a friend of Medjugorje, support this work through your donations, spread this to everyone you know. You know what you receive on the other end of that speaker. We ask you to give this gift to others. And so to conclude tonight... Here again is a friend of Medjugorje from January 2019. Mary says, I am revealing to you the only real truth. What is truth? This place is truth. This place has grown up. This place came by accident. It came by professional business talent. That's garbage. You can have all the talent in the world. You're not going to make this work. The persecutions, the obstacles, everything that's tried to crush this place, we shouldn't be here. This place is truth. Truth of what? Truth of the future. Truth of where people have to walk to. They're going to look back to everybody in the time of Mary. What were they all doing? What were the Medjugorje people doing? Well, this one singular group has formed themselves into a body underneath my messages and turned them into a way of life. And that thin, thin thread out of billions of people across the world didn't break. It didn't break. 
and it's going to turn into a big rope, and more people join, and you can thread the thread into a big, thick, thick, thick rope. What Our Lady is, as example of what it is she says, my silence, and I was there for you always, always, always. I'm giving all that I got, so I got nothing to lose. Ooh, here I am. And I promise that I'm catching you if ever you fall. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Well, here I am. July 19th, 1984, I have given myself to you. July 2nd, 2008, 
I love you and give myself to you. As a mother fights for her children, I pray for you and fight for you. Before Medjugorje, we never would see that kind of verbiage coming out of her mouth. I'm going to fight every piece of me we have from Our Lady. From our little locket of our hair shown for women, what you're not doing, and how women are rejecting biblical modesty, even with the hair, in the New Testament. Every piece of her that says something, her whole gown says something. Is your heart open? Because the more cloudy, the more doubts, the more you wonder, is the more of the measure of your heart being closed. This ends the Medjinomics broadcast with a friend of Medjugorje. These broadcasts are available as CDs, which are sent directly to your doorstep on a monthly subscription. For information, contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000.